Today we're going to explore in episode one digital communication and what the future of that might be. There's nothing more basic than digital communication, how we use electronic tools to be able to communicate one-to-one, one-to-many, many-to-many. I'll get to that in a second. Because this is episode one, there are a couple things I really need to make sure I've covered. Uh, If you're going to jump in at some other episode, you'll miss this piece, but since you're here, uh, I use the term digital transformation and I want to make sure that uh, I delineate what that is. So digital transformation should be thought of as a 50-year time in history. So let's say from the year 2000 to the year 2050. And if you ask, well, what is transforming during that 50-year time? It's not just that we're getting a lot of technology. It's that human beings and technology are integrating in order to get processes done. Now, that's a very general statement. I mean, all day long, whatever the process is, listening to music or working or uh, communicating, which we'll talk about today, it's, it's an integration t- today of human skills and technology tools that are allowing us to get this done. That is what is transforming, is the literal integration of humans and technology. You will hear me use a word, humology or humological balance, right? So humology just means the integration of humans and technology to get something done. The humological balance means how much human versus how much technology to get any specific process done. Uh, There's a scale that we use that uh, if you think of zero as the middle of the scale, half human, half technology, H12345 is how we score more and more use of human. T12345 is how we score more and more use of technology. And so the humological balance can be looked at on anything, driving a car or uh, entertainment or cooking. Any process that is being done in the world is some combination today of human and technology. Now, there are some things like if, you, uh, if you're a massage therapist, you might use very little technology, just a little to do digital marketing, maybe a little bit to run credit card transactions. All the rest of your services are human to human. And so you might be way over on the scale at H4.5, uh, but there are highly automated processes that are done completely with technology. And in that case, we would go all the way to the other end of the scale and say uh, something might be a T4.5. So, for instance, how turnpikes collect fees today. If you're using a pike pass, uh, then it's almost a completely technology-based process for how the turnpike collects the money. So just wanted to make sure you have an understanding before we get on with the rest of the podcast of the, the term digital transformation and what it is that's transforming, and that this is a time in history. And so it is not only a 50-year time in history, it is one of the most amazing times for humanity, because this is the first time that we are truly integrating with technology tools to be able to accomplish vast amounts of what we do in the world. And as these tools are getting better and better rapidly, what we're able to accomplish is being amplified in incredible ways. That's what the digital transformation is. And then hopefully now you have an understanding of humology, which is just the word that allows us to talk about the specific integration 
of humans and technology to get things done. So with that background, uh, I'd like to get started with uh, the, the main topic of episode one. Uh, every episode is going to look at a different type of technology or a different slice of how technology is being used and play it forward and then look at what the outcomes of that are going to be. Uh, in this case, as I said, I wanted to take something as simple as just digital communication, uh, which we'll unpack as we go along. Uh, as you noted, this podcast is all about looking into the future in more, with more of a positive lens, uh, as opposed to the dystopic dark lens that a lot of people tend to uh, look at the future with. And so wanted to uh, start off with that, that concept that it is seductive to fear the future. It's seductive because we're, we're often wired to look for danger. Uh, you know, we, we have been built uh, for thousands and thousands of years uh, to be careful of that which can hurt us. Uh, and we are more wired to see that than we are to see the things that could help us. Uh, this is a pretty well-known concept uh, as far as how human beings are psychologically wired. Uh, even to the point, by the way, which uh, vision, if you think about vision, when we are focusing on something that is uh, dangerous to us, going back to cave person days, uh, if a saber-toothed tiger was in front of us, we literally lose our peripheral vision because our eyes will focus intensely on the thing that is dangerous to us. In this day and age, we don't have saber-toothed tigers, but we have money problems or relationship problems. Uh, and so today, when we have things that are concerning to us, uh, the same thing happens. Our peripheral vision lowers, but in, in some cases, it's not necessarily just our peripheral vision. It's just our ability to think expansively. And so too often what happens as human beings today is we get a very narrow focus on a topic. Uh, and we don't really uh, have a great ability to see the bigger picture because we are focusing on what's the immediate danger to me, what's the immediate danger to my family, uh, and how might my world be worse. And so we focus on that specific problem, lose the bigger picture. Now, when it comes to optimism, one of the most interesting things that, that I saw in the last couple of years was an article uh, about Bono, the, the lead singer from U2, uh, who was talking about factivism. And Bono, who spends a lot of time doing work with uh, groups like Amnesty International, where, by the way, you know, he did a whole Conspiracy of Hope tour with Sting. Uh, and I love that, that vocabulary, Conspiracy of Hope. And, and a lot of what Bono was trying to get across at that time with factivism and hope uh, was that if you looked at the statistics Right? If, if you looked at the facts, what you would see is there are, are many different areas that you could measure humanity as far as quality of life um, that have been improving. In other words, less people starving uh, uh, from lack of food uh, or more people who were making uh, more than a dollar a day. So there were many less people that are in poverty, uh, much more freedom in the world as opposed to totalitarian governments. Uh, and I, I went on to see um, books that people wrote where they made the same kinds of points uh, in interesting kinds of statistics, you know, such as 
Uh, we have more people dying from uh, uh, being overweight than we do from starvation. Uh, or we have more people dying from suicide than we do from murders and war combined, uh, which doesn't sound like a positive statistic. But the fact is that more people are choosing to die, if you look at that statistic, uh, than being forced to die. So the, the world is slowly getting to be a better place. Now, as I mentioned, when you look at the narrow versus the larger picture, if you're looking through your own lens and you're saying, well, my life is not necessarily better, or my life is extremely difficult. And there's a lot of people who would say this. There's still there's a lot of depression in the world. Uh, what you can easily lose sight of is the larger picture of what's going on with billions and billions of people across humanity. Are there problems? Of course there are problems in the world. We have environmental problems. Uh, we have humanity, human, humanitarian problems. We certainly have problems. What I want to really make sure people understand is you got to take a very balanced view. Look at the facts and then really be able to speculate accurately looking forward into the future about what the seeds that are planted today will turn into. Let's take, for example, as I said, digital communication. So we have had digital communication now for at least a couple of decades. And let me put that in context. Uh, there, there are multiple forms of communication. You can talk face to face. And so that, that is a very rich form of communication. You can see facial expressions. You can understand the energy of the other person. Uh, and you get to hear the words. You get to hear exactly how the words are said. And so it's a very rich form of communication. We have telephone. Uh, that's a form of communication. You get the voice. You get the voice inflection. So that's helpful. You just don't get the visuals. Uh, but we've had telephone. You have uh, documents, paper, books, letters, where the written word, the written word, people can think a bit more carefully uh, with the written word. But again, you don't have the sense of the voice inflection. You don't necessarily have a sense. You can't see the person who uh, writing it and how they might feel. Uh, these are all different forms of communication. When we got the internet and we got email, we really kicked off what I would say is an era of digital communication. And we have since that time added many flavors of digital communication. Uh, we can communicate by text message. Uh, we can communicate uh, verbally. Uh, we can communicate in video. We can communicate in pictures. Uh, we, we have a much more sophisticated ability to communicate one to many, one to a small group, many to many. Uh, digital communication gives us a breadth of options for how and who we communicate to that we never had before. And by the way, at a price that was extremely low, uh, which is very different than what a long distance phone call international would have cost us. So if you really step back and you think about digital communications, uh, you know, we've been gifted already just in a couple decades with uh, a vast array of types of communication. Uh, but let's talk about that for a second. Uh, when I look at digital communication and I think about the stories around me, uh, and I, my guess is you have many of the same stories, uh, I think about um, the audience members who tell me uh, how disturbed they are that their kids will text message across the car and not talk out loud. 
uh, either because it's easier, they don't want their parents to hear what they're saying to each other. Or I think about my mother, who uh, really enjoys the richness of a face-to-face conversation, and she likes that so much that she isn't really willing to text message or have other forms of digital communication outside of email, which she will do a little bit of. But she has a a prejudice against uh, anything that is not face-to-face communication, Uh, and, and the one step down she could make is telephone. Yet at the same time, she will say she misses her family, she wishes her grandchildren would talk to her more, uh, and is unwilling to use the digital tools that her grandchildren use to communicate. I hear stories about uh, people who use digital communication to uh, break up a relationship because that way they don't have to face the emotionalism. Uh, I hear wonderful stories of people being able to stay in touch with relatives and friends in a way they never could before. Uh, And I'm sure you have a lot of the same experiences. If you really sat down and you did the math, there are many positive things about digital communication. And certainly there are some negative things about digital communication. But this is a great example of if you actually sat down and you created a T on a piece of paper and you wrote down all the positives versus all the negatives, there's no question there are more positives with digital communication. Uh, For the first time ever, anyone in the world can report on some type of news that's happening. Anyone in the world can take a video, a picture, or, or send audio, or at least type up something instantly that is happening near them, whether that's a tank that just rolled through their city, whether it's a murder that they just witnessed, uh, or whether it's some fantastic good news that they want to share with the world. But we have citizen journalism now, and citizen journalism is a powerful way to make sure that darkness uh, cannot hide because anyone anywhere can bring to light behavior that they are witnessing uh, through the means of digital communication. Uh, Now, at the same time, uh, we've got people who will hide their identity and will try to be abusive or predatory with uh, digital communication. And so I'm not naive to the fact that there aren't negative ways that people use digital communication. Again, this is the first episode, and over and over again, we're going to talk about the fact that uh, technology might be 60% positive and 40% negative or 70-30, or 55-45. And it's important to understand that distinction. It's important to understand that the technology is not 100% good, and it's not 100% bad. But where we have technology that is, that is uh, the majority positive, uh, what we can look forward to in the future is that we will learn how to mitigate the negative. We will learn how how to stop some of the negative impacts while we also amplify the positive. So let's let's talk for a second about the future state of digital communication instead of just looking at what's happened so far. I think it's really interesting to uh, look at uh, a lot of today what's happening uh, is uh, problems with fake news where people are using digital communication to try to manipulate the masses. Uh, so we have that issue. Uh, obviously, we have the predatory issues of a specific person trying to act as if they're not who they really are. Uh, and in, in some type of predatory way, either talk to a younger person uh, and get them to take actions that they'd like to get them to take. 
you know, or somebody who is just uh, trying to socially engineer in some way uh, a person by not even uh, using a true identity, uh, you know, which we can call catfishing. So we have many things that we have already learned that are negative uses. Uh, we are already in the process of putting uh, processes and policies and systems in place uh, to try to guard against those. Now, certainly at any point in time, we will learn about a concept like fake news or trying to sway an election or catfishing or predatory sexual behavior. At any point in time, we will learn and see that those things happen. Uh, in email, we didn't know, we no sooner had email going, you know, than we had people trying to use email uh, to scam uh, people on the other end of the email. Uh, how many times have you gotten an email from a Nigerian uh, prince who wanted to repatriate their money, for example? Uh, so we know that these things exist. We, we are building defenses against them. We're raising awareness against them. And so I, I think it's reasonable to assume uh, we will get better and better and better over the next couple decades at, at being able to lower the impacts or really shun or completely filter digital communications that are unhealthy. While at the same time, we are learning to amplify the positive sides of digital communication. Now, uh, as this is being recorded, President Trump uses Twitter to talk directly to uh, the constituents in the U.S. Well, and the world. Now, we might not like what he has to say, but the fact that a, a sitting president can talk to millions and millions of people in an unfiltered way is a good thing. It may not be a good thing during this administration. That's arguable. Uh, but certainly looking forward to the next president, the next president, the next president, the capability to speak directly to the masses without having to go through television to do it or radio, uh, having a fireside chat like was done decades ago, uh, will be a positive thing. And, and the, this is one of a thousand examples of where digital communication uh, today is still a bit in its infancy as far as how we're using it. But one can see that as you look forward into the future, how positive it will be that a president or an elected official can speak directly to their constituents. Uh, we have, uh, where I live, we have one of our uh, senators uh, who had really almost no background in politics when he got elected. And one of the things that he did better than everybody else around him was use social media and email to communicate directly with the constituents, which he does to this day. And uh, I don't read every email, but I read quite a bit of them. Uh, and I'm always impressed uh, with his just plain talk ability to explain what he's doing in Washington, why he did what he did, and how he feels. And I think about how different that is than 20, 30 years ago when an elected official would struggle with how they might use digital communication to talk to their constituents. So let's look at a few other things that, that I think we will see in the future. Not only will we be able to mitigate some of the negatives of digital communication, well, we're going to have completely different types of ways. So if you really think about it, in quick succession, we got email, we got instant message, we got uh, Facebook, we got YouTube, we got Instagram, uh, and we got many different forms, Snapchat, right? We got many different forms of ways that we could communicate with each other visually, um, auditorially, uh, or with the written word. And a lot of people think there's way too many ways to communicate. 
What, what I would postulate to you is all of these are a flavor, and they're all a flavor that allows us to communicate either faster, slower, more visually, uh, and, and I don't think we're done yet. I think we will continue to see different flavors of how we are able to use digital tools to communicate. And the idea here is really to fill a niche for how people want to communicate. And I don't think we're done filling those niches yet. I think we will continue to see different applications with different takes on how to be able to communicate. Uh, Communicate either just giving somebody or somebody's your status or communicating an information or actually doing long-form communication where it's education or storytelling. Uh, but I think, you know, just like podcasting or uh, vlogs, we've got many different ways today, flavors already, and I don't think we're done. Uh, what I would say is, instead of just trying to speculate on specifically what we will get, let's talk about the categories of what it will look like. Uh, I believe that it will be more immersive. So in other words, I think we will have methods to be able to communicate easier and easier, more instantly, more richly, so that communication becomes more immersive. We'll have much better ways to filter who we're communicating with and who we're, who we're getting communication from. Today, part of our problem is we've progressed with creating lots of flavors of how to communicate, but we have not built systems that help us filter that communication very well. Look no further than email to understand what I'm talking about. Uh, But add up all the types of communication that you get in a day. Wouldn't it be nice if you had very sophisticated filters to be able to say what you would like uh, brought to your immediate attention, what you would like archived for, for to look at later, and then what are things that could be completely shunned and blocked? And you could do that across every form of communication that comes to you. Whereas today it's broken up. You know, we are getting uh, calls on our cell phone. Uh, Sometimes, um, you know, they're automatically shunned. Sometimes they're not. Uh, Email, we can't always filter it the way we want. Certainly social technologies, really difficult to filter because, of course, they don't even want you to filter. They want you to see every ad, everything that they make money on. But I don't think this is what we will have in the future. I suspect fairly soon we will be given extremely powerful filtering tools that will allow us to construct how we allow digital communication to come into us. And once we have those filtering tools, we will be able to create a much more immersive digital communication environment. We will be able to much quick, much more quickly turn it off so that we have no digital communication coming to us or filter what status we are in at the moment. I'm driving, uh, I am working, um, I am studying, Uh, I am indisposed, you know, I am off the grid, uh, or I'm available, Uh, right? So we'll be able to to buy status, automate what gets filtered into us so that during the day we have a rich stream of communication when we want it, and we have no communication when we don't want it. So that's what I see coming with digital communication. I think not only will it be immersive and filtered, we can think more about it being automated. So there will be uh, sources of information that are not just human beings. So today, when we think of digital communication, it's a lot the human beings, the family, the friends, uh, who we work with. And then we've got some news sources or some content sources. 
I, I think what we will look at in the future is much more automated capabilities to get the communication that we want from people, whether that's what their status is currently, where are they currently, what have they said that's important recently. Uh, I think we will be able to automate much more of what is communicated to us as opposed to us doing pull. In other words, we always have to go out and pull to get the communication. So in a simple way, think about email. Uh, today, I have to go look at the email client if I want to uh, you know, understand what email is coming to me. Uh, in the future, I think we'll be able to automate much more. Here, here is, if I ever get an email from this source, I want it immediately converted into some other format that uh, gets it to me instantly. I'm just trying to give you a simple example. So much more immersive, much more automated. And I guess the last point that I would make is, Think about the fact that digital communication is also going to shift more and more to us communicating with machines. So as we have AIs, as we have smart devices in our life, it's not just that we'll be communicating with human beings. We'll also be communicating with the AIs and the devices in our life as well. Uh, And we are really close to the point where communicating with an AI will be an experience that I want to have. I want the AI to talk to me at the appropriate time, bring me the information that I need to know. Uh, And the AI will have more and more of a personality. This isn't science fiction. We're very close to this. And so I see a world fairly soon where, let's just say, 70% of my communication is from human beings and 30% of my communication is from AIs. And many of those AIs have a personality that uh, I've chosen uh, or I enjoy communicating with. Now, there are people that will look at this on the whole and they will say, this is overwhelming. I'm already overwhelmed with the amount of communication that's coming. How can you possibly tell me that this is going to be positive for the world? Again, if you step back and you really look at the big picture, what you would see is that with the filtering tools, with some of the automation that we're going to be able to build, with a lot of the artificial intelligence that we'll be able to put into place, we will allow people to construct how their digital communication is handled so that it is less overwhelming, uh, more meaningful, more specific on the kinds of things they want to communicate on, easier to communicate with other people when we choose to communicate. Uh, Again, will there be abuses of these systems? Of course there will, there always is. But what I see happening in the future is that digital communication will refine year after year after year after year to a point where we have a rich flow of communication coming into us that we are able to control and filter while also having a rich set of flavors of communication that we can use to go out to whoever we want to communicate to. Look, I grew up in a world with no podcasting. And you listening to this right now means that you are have a recorded experience of getting to hear what I'm saying while I'm standing in my office recording these thoughts right now. This form of communication, you could argue, how is this much different than a cassette tape? I could have recorded this all on a cassette tape when I was 25 and sent you the cassette tape. Well, the difference is you don't have to have a cassette player. You don't have to put it into a, you don't have to have that device or that tape that you put in, that tape that wears out. 
we don't have to duplicate the tapes to thousands of people for them to all have it. Just a communication method like podcasting is an amazing step forward in humanity. I have learned so much from listening to other people's podcasts. It's, it's just a tremendous blessing compared to what I had when I was a kid. The future is bright when it comes to digital communication. What I would say to you is think about what it is you can do now to help make that future brighter, especially for you. And there's a couple things I would share with you. One is learn the tools. Learn the tools. So as new tools come out, new capabilities, new filtering systems, uh, new ways for you to communicate, uh, learn the tools because by putting the tools in place, you're going to be able to be more sophisticated or build a better ability to do digital communication between you and your loved ones or you and the world or you and everybody that you work with. So always be aware of the new tools, test them out, experiment with the tools, learn how to use them. Uh, You can't get away from that. If we want to be powerful with digital communication, we're going to have to make sure you're constantly learning about what the new tools are that are out and available to you. If you just stop and you decide email is as far as you're going to go, you're going to miss out on a lot of the blessings that you could have with some of the new tools we will get. The other thing I would say, and this is critical to me, be balanced. When we talk about the humology balance, right, or the humological balance, when we communicate, there needs to be a balance in our lives of communicating face-to-face versus communicating through digital tools. Uh, I used to coach soccer. I I coached uh, young girls for years and years uh, until they all went away to college. And it was fascinating looking at how they used their mobile devices to communicate. And I remember driving to a tournament with uh, three of the girls one time, and we got to talking about texting and Facebook and Instagram and all the tools that they use to communicate. And I remember them telling me, you know, when we were younger, uh, we would come home from school and a lot of times sit in our room and spend three hours communicating with everybody through the digital devices. But we got tired of that after a while. And we wanted to actually go see our friends. And we got to talking about that need for balance, that for every hour you spend communicating digitally, you need to spend an hour communicating face-to-face or communicating verbally with somebody. The trick to digital communication, to me, besides all the new technology and all the new things we can put in place to amplify and be more powerful with how we communicate, the trick is balance. Because we're human beings... And there's something that is very powerful about communicating face-to-face and having that rich flow of energy and information back and forth. So I would encourage you, if we want the world to continue to be on a path of digital communication being positive, then let's be good at the tools. Let's constantly try to learn how to filter better and how how to be a better deliverer of digital communication. At the same time, Let's balance it with the human connection and the, and the human uh, communication. And let's know the difference and know when to do what. Look, I'm not preaching to you. I'm telling you, I have the same problem. I find, for instance, at work, sometimes I will sit and email and email and email people that are sitting five feet away from me in the office because it's convenient to do email. And I have to make myself get up and go talk to people because I realize that I'm so into efficiency that I could just do digital communication with everybody. 
There are times when I pick up the phone and call my mom instead of just sending her an email. There's times when I do the same thing with my kids, where I just want to sit down and talk to them instead of texting them. But there are other times when I text them. You got to find the right balance in life if we really want to be healthy with how we communicate. When it comes to digital communications, I see a very positive future and I see a hugely rich impact on humanity. So hopefully this first episode has painted the picture for you of what we'll do in all the rest of the episodes. Uh, Digital communication is one of the more basic things we'll talk about. I look forward to all the episodes upcoming where we'll look at all kinds of different technologies and how they will be a blessing in the future.